Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Rodenverse read-along analysis podcast that sits out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with The Kane Chronicles, The Red Pyramid, Chapter 3, Imprisoned with My Cat, and Chapter 4, Kidnapped by a Not-So-Stranger. As always, I've got my points to focus on, so today we've got narrative, relationships, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. With their father labelled a terrorist, the Cain siblings come to his defence and support one another. To an extent. As a threat of imprisonment is given, things take a turn and they are instead deported. Amos then arrives with a message. He is to take them to Brooklyn to protect them. He is their uncle, after all. A dun dun dun. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's pretty much uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the synopsis for this. It's not as in detailed um, as it should be, but um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty to the point with what's happening. And yes, we've got our next two chapters. These ones are from Sadie's POV. So obviously last time I was hoping we'd see a better side of Sadie in her, in her POV. I was wrong, but maybe I'll get better. But for now, let's move on to the overview. For the first chapter, chapter three, Imprisoned with My Cat. And this is the overview. As Sadie is kept in her room by the police as they question Carter, I lose my will to live with her rudeness towards her family. Thinking back on what happened that day, (laughs) Sadie thinks of her necklace and her mother's. As she goes to draw a hieroglyph, the police ask for her to come down. The police have labelled Julius a terrorist because they're racist and try to lump Carter in two because, again they are racist but Sadie is having none of it with Amos outside Sadie provides his name to the police but it's impossible they called him at his home in New York he can't have been in London and just like that he disappears from sight outside their house Sadie is being uncooperative in the police's eyes and now it is time for them to see her with her grandparents and that is the overview for chapter three. Um, and as you can tell, fuck the police. <laughs> that is currently the vibe going on. And you know what? I approve because Jesus Christ. Yeah, my God. The instantaneous moment of like, yes, we've got two dark-skinned black men. Must be terrorists. Like, instantaneously. And the fact that they kept... So we have the opening bit of literally like Sadie, who obviously, white passing, has been put aside and they're having Carter 
alone, although I'm assuming probably with the grandparents as well, being questioned about what's going on. It's just, it feels quite racially motivated. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but I, I don't want to say that, that just one small little thing. Um, uh, and then I'll go back to racist police officers. But um, for the feedback section of this, I will say that I am disappointed in Sadie again with like her anger and sort of borderline hatred for her dad as well, saying like how he abandoned her. But like, she's 12 now. She under she understands custody battles. And even like later in, uh, in the next chapter, she's aware of the situation. She knows that her grandparents chose her and fought only for her and not Carter. So she knows he didn't abandon her on purpose. He was literally forced to do it by the grandparents who have been raising her. Like, she should understand the situation, as she does later on, so I don't understand her anger. It just feels a little bit misplaced and unfair, if I'm honest, especially considering she's also kind of taken out on Carter. And in, as well, the fact that she's clearly aware of how racism is playing a role in this situation, um, which I thought was actually a really interesting touch and I'm quite glad that they they played on that as well because she's also frustrated and hate the fact that people assume that she's not f a family member to Carter and Julius because she doesn't look like them like there, there's always this look um and just the general fact that like she seems to be aware of the fact that two dark-skinned men are being labeled as terrorists and then this is the thing that was interesting and I'm kind of intrigued about the fact that this was included because it makes sense as well the two dark-skinned men, Carter and Julius, are being labelled as terrorists and working with a terrorist organisation. Whereas she, someone who is more white-passing, has been offered the chance to turn on them and get them arrested and labelled as terrorists and be, like, basically have no, po no possibility of actually being labelled one and made out to be an innocent bystander, in a sense. That was a really interesting move to have that. Because it's something that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that she kind of noticed that as well, a little bit. Although, it would have been interesting if that was kind of played up a little bit more. Where she's like, she was more aware of the fact that clearly race of a sort is, is playing into it. Because it is, quote unquote, odd that the one that is more white passing is the one who has the chance to be labelled innocent. Um, yeah, so honestly, I just kind of wish it was slightly not played up more but basically shown a little bit more there is a lot of racial profiling going on here because especially the fact that Scotland Yard is the situation here and Scotland Yard and the Metropolitan Police are well known for racial profiling like that's basically their MO is racial profiling <laughs> the mayor the mayor is a uh, uh, pretty racist well most police forces are a racist institution but the Met is very well known for it here in the UK um, and I'm surprised that that's not played up a little bit more with this awareness because Sadie would definitely be aware of it, I think. Although her friends are both white and she is white passing, so maybe she's not fully aware of it, but she'd have some knowledge about it of the fact that the Met Office is well known for racially profiling black people. Um, but again, maybe Rick doesn't know that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Um, the one thing, okay, this is an additional feedback. The one thing I don't get is, so both Carter and Sadie obviously saw 100% what was happening. 
and the fact that people would think they were crazy for saying it because you know a mystical fiery man appears and their father is locked up in a sarcophagus and disappears into the floor i'm i'm confused as to why they thought admittedly we don't know that carter has told the story at this point um and i can't actually remember if he did but i i'm just surprised that they thought it was a good idea <laughs> to share the correct version of the story like surely just make up a different word and without the magic aspect that is still believable and share that one because that'd be more believable because them saying this like insane in the eyes of mortals story is just not it's first not going to help the image of their father but also it's just not going to be helpful at all because clearly no one's going to believe them i'm just surprised that especially sadie didn't think that people especially considering what england is like seeing seeing is believing but if you haven't seen it you will never believe it um i'm just surprised that she thought yeah let's tell them the real story that is absolutely insane and even they don't understand what happened surely the police will get it and their father will no longer be labeled a terrorist i mean like come on have a little bit of intelligence here um additionally additionally i would like to see more of sadie's intelligence in the fact that um so the police officer says that he's convinced that julius is basically part of an extremist egyptian group who want the artifacts that britain stole back because they are theirs and we've stolen them from them of course he didn't say stolen because that's what britain's like we won't admit that we're thieves um but it doesn't make sense why would junius blow it up that like this precious artifact to the people of egypt and their history why would julius blow it up if he was part of that institution like surely he'd just find a way to steal it so he can get it back to the people it belongs to like that would have been a great moment to show sadie's intelligence by having her say you know that doesn't make any sense why would he blow up something that he wants to restore to the people that they belong to um also also <laughs> Uh, an English person aside um, for this moment, just like I did last episode, Rick. <laughs> Rick, buddy, I know you're trying to show us that Sadie is English, but tone it down a little bit because this is the most unbelievable English person I, d I think I've ever read. We don't all say bloke. We don't always say mate. We don't say them as often as you are having it. Like Sadie is referring to every man as a bloke again she's 12 she wouldn't say bloke she would say guy and also no we don't say mate for everything <laughs> like we say it in casual conversation but we don't always refer we refer to our friends as friends like just stop it stop it <laughs> um also pretty sure a 12 year old wouldn't refer to an inspector as an inspector we'd likely say sir sort of like what we do in school someone who is an authority figure you'd often refer to them as sir or like mr i can't even remember this last. mr thomas i think is the inspector's last name like we wouldn't call them inspector like i've had a few god this is sound dodgy i've had a few run-ins with the police <laughs> and i would refer to them as sir or ma'am um and yeah that was and that was when i was a kid so these were like well, one, one or two of the runnings was when I was under 16. My most recent one was like a couple of years ago. Um, 
and yeah I, I did say mum or I said miss um, like what you would do in school you wouldn't call them an inspector <laughs> that, that's not what a 12 year old would say <laughs> um, especially a 12 year old British girl from London and also the word the use of the word posh oh my god some it's just as a as an English person it just oh it mildly stressed me but let's move on (laughs) to the next chapter which is chapter four kidnapped by a not so stranger uh and this is the overview for chapter four in the living room Carter is devastated and holding on to their father's bag belittled and threatened by the police the two siblings stand up for their father. Then things take a turn. The two are to be deported instead of charged. And here the inspector leaves and Amos arrives. The children must leave the country quickly, Amos says. It's no longer safe for them. While the grandparents aren't happy, they agree that it's the be- it's for the best. Not that they would really have like a say on Carter. Clearly they only care about say because again, they're racists. The three are to head to a safe house mansion in Brooklyn, New York. That was their father's and most likely also their mother's. Using the hieroglyph for a boat, one appears on the Thames. That is how they will travel. It is as they consider heading out that it is revealed who Amos is. He is their uncle, brother to their father. And he's here to help. And I don't really have too much to say for this section. The few bits of feedback here that I do want to say is that even though Sadie sort of very clearly was aware of the racist connotations of the police officer not believing, like kind of assuming guilt of Carter and Julius and trying to give her a free pass, I am disappointed that she doesn't see the racist connotations from her grandparents about them not wanting Carter because he looks like his dad now she quite literally says that they're using the reason that carter looks like their dad for why they won't keep him and why they didn't want him in the first place is it just feels so racially motivated like the fausts are are very like they're they're racists they're racist no one can say otherwise to me they are very much racists um but you know i guess this is the situation with sadie Ignorance is bliss when it comes to those you're close to. It is hard to kind of see the things wrong within your own family. Like, and I know for a fact that my family don't listen to this, so this is all fine to say. Um, So there are members of my family who I'm very aware are racist and homophobic and transphobic. And I try to call it out as much as I can. Sometimes though, for for the fact that you often live with these people you've got to be in close contact with them being in conflict with someone is isn't always the best thing especially if you have no choice but to be engaging with them um thankfully most of the people that i had to engage with in the past i no longer have to because you know i'm an adult now i don't have to go to family engagements where they are and all that sort of stuff so i can get where sadie is sort of coming from in that the ignorance of trying to kind of get on with the people that she's having to live with all year round and have no other choice literally um until she's about 16 where she'll have more legal rights as to what she can do and who she can live with i get not fully being aware of it like she's clearly aware of it but she's just not not fully at the same time um 
So I, I get it, but it'd be interesting if that was explored a little bit more. But again, I really don't like the attitude that the Fausts have to the Kane family. Um, they, they're saying it's because of what happened to their daughter Ruby, which obviously hasn't been explained yet in story. But the whole thing just feels racially motivated because uh, the moment Amos comes in, uh, the grandfather is ready to beat him. Like, literally, just... Like, you, you've caused this family enough problems. Like, literally ready to beat him. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's just walked in and he's also here to protect the kids. Like, back down, Grandpa. Like, seriously. Oh, just the whole thing. I, I'm kind of glad they've been... Well, we see them occasionally here and there throughout the series. But I'm glad we don't see them that much because... Can't be doing with racist old people. But let's move on to the uh, the main discussion points. So let's start with the narrative. Now I admit, <laughs> narrative-wise, I did actually think we were going to go down the sort of Percy Jackson lightning thief in most of his books as well scenario of like the two kids basically being fugitives on the run from the law as they try to figure out what's going on. And like how to find their father and stuff like that. That's basically sort of like what happened in Lightning Thief and Sea of Monsters. What did happen in Sea of Monsters? Yeah. Yeah. Lightning Thief, Sea of Monsters, and I think Battle of the Labyrinth as well. He sort of became yeah, he basically became a sort of fugitive. Um But it's an interesting twist on things to uh sort of twisting the what we would normally expect from the convention. Because King Chronicles actually came first after Percy Jackson so the first King Chronicles book came out before the first Lost Hero book uh well Heroes of Olympus book I mean um so it's in it's basically interesting to see that sort of twist on you know not being a fugitive happen in this book here by having them be deported instead so having moving them to a different location assumingly to learn a bit more of who they are and what what to do with the with the narrative Basically, just as a whole, I'm just really glad that the narrative is pushing forward and not dragging, which especially considering that we've just gone through The Lost Hero, I'm really, really glad that we don't have to do that. <laughs> like, the way everything is moving, nothing's fully slowed down. Um, and, you know, I, I just really appreciate that the story is just it's actually going somewhere at the moment. Uh, that's all I do have to say about the narrative though because there's not actually that much to say uh, the main thing I want to talk about though is relationships particularly sibling relationships so the first one we have is Carter and Sadie and I like that in these two chapters we're seeing a bit more of them working together and supporting each other I admit that I do wish that Sadie was a little bit more caring and understanding of Carter like she has a few moments here and there, but it's a little underwhelming at the moment in terms of me being more in favour of her character. Um, the, adding the fact that we're seeing that she resents her father for abandoning her when, again, as we find out in this last chapter of hers, she knows that it was her grandparents' decision to separate the family. What's sad is that she does recognise the fact that with their father gone... Carter literally has no one else because Sadie knows that her grandparents and this is the whole thing it's her grandparents they aren't really Carter's grandparents because they want nothing to do with him they won't take him so he has nowhere to go which is why the moment Amos said look come with me Carter got up straight away he knows he's not wanted there and Sadie recognizes that and I thought that was a really interesting moment to have where she recognizes the fact that he's ready to go because 
he's got nowhere else to go whereas she she has a family she's got somewhere to live she's got some place to be she has a family carter's only family is gone and they don't know where um it would just be it'll be interesting to see their relationship develop through like understanding each other actually getting to have a relationship with each other so i'm i'm looking forward to that um, an additional sibling relationship is with Amos and Julius. Now, we don't know much about them yet, except that Amos was desperate to stop Julius from going through with whatever he was planning and obviously with what actually happened. They didn't get on much, the conflict being like a staple of sibling relationships, clearly, but he's here to protect his brother's children the moment he can, which kind of shows what sort of person he is. Uh, it's a good reflection on the care that Sadie and Carter have for each other and that there is conflict but there is a possibility of them being together and working together and building a relationship they don't know how it will go as obviously with Amos and Julius it wasn't always the best relationship but it's a good sign that even in the darkest moments they'll be there for each other so it's an interesting reflection on what that could be for Carter and Sadie and honestly that's kind of all I have for this these are kind of short chapters for this one not too much has happened here but um, yeah I'm looking forward to the next part uh, <laughs> good chapters uh, I, I like the examination I would have liked a little bit more examination of you know, racial profiling in the police but this book came out in what was it 2011-2012 I know I looked at it last week um, but I've forgotten already so yeah <laughs> um, but of course, getting into the part that you are all looking for. This is this week's question of the episode. And I would like to know, how did you feel about the somewhat racial profiling that happens with the police towards Carter and Julius in these chapters? I'll probably word it slightly differently in, in the uh, question of the episode that goes up on the social media. But, you know, I'm intrigued as to your thoughts on this because, like, I've spoken with a few other Percy Jackson podcasters and they definitely thought the same. There was some racial profiling that definitely happened in this. And it was interesting that this was explored in the book. But I would definitely like to know more of your thoughts as well on the use of somewhat racial profiling in the Kane Chronicles. So early in the book as well, like, we're only on chapters three and four and we've already had a few examinations of race already. Um... So yeah, obviously that'll be going up on our social media tomorrow, the day after this episode is out, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But for now, thank you all for joining me for these chapters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Rodenverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com. And if you would like to support me further, you can become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for early access and other exclusive perks. Want more Percy Jackson related content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. Or if you want to support my own writing, which is happening very soon my first book is coming out in august of 2022 and a short story prequel in april of 2022 you can drop me a follow at a dose of fran on instagram twitter and tiktok again thank you all for tuning in as always i've been fran your very own hunter and i'll see slash speak to you guys next time 
Bye.